Once again, the No Chill Podcast is brought to you by Life Recovery Water, offering up three tasty thirst-quenching blends guaranteed to refuel your body while satisfying your palate. All three flavors rehydrate the body with the necessary electrolytes such as potassium, magnesium, phosphorus, and calcium. These electrolyte properties are vital to any athlete or sports enthusiast after a tough workout or training session. Replenishing the body with an all-natural product is always the best form of recovery. Life Recovery Water. Go get some today. On this episode of the No Chill Podcast, we take a look at the ways in which a great scorer can be effective. When it comes to offensive skills, it's the combination of work ethic and natural ability. Currently in the NBA, individual skill is at an all-time high. We run through scoring talent and the attributes off the dribble, pure stroke, off movement, and clutch moments, and who has some of the best technique we've ever seen on the court. Taking it further, Gil thinks it all comes down to confidence. From one of the coldest bucket getters ever to do it, Agent Zero takes us inside the brain of an offensive mastermind. Be sure to catch his train of thought when it comes to being in the zone and taking the last shot. For Hibachi, there's no such thing as good defense because there's always better O. This one is as much fun to listen to as it was to put together. So enjoy it and thank you for your support of the No Chill Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and the No Chill channel on YouTube. You know, when it comes to shooting, is it a skill that you are born with or it just takes work? Um, takes work, of course. You're never born with the skill. Natural ability. Some I mean, you have natural that. ability, but you still got to... It's the combination you, you of natural ability work on and it. work. Some guys could work forever and they just can't shoot for shit. If that happens, that means you're not working on the right shit. <laughs> or your form's just broken. Not necessarily. I've, I mean, I've rarely seen bad shooting form. I mean, there's bad shooting forms, but if you're making it, then it's fine. Like uh, Sean Marion. Sean Marion. All the time. Um, Larry Bird's shot was horrible. He shot from the back of his yeah, neck. Was, I mean, yeah, but you couldn't reach that shit. I know, but it, it, that's yeah. not a but that's not a good form. Yeah, he used his bad form <laughs> to his advantage. Yeah, yeah, um, who else? You have uh, Reggie Miller had a bad, you know. Yeah, just awkward. Yeah, just awkward. awkward I mean, form, you know, you. Right. Steph, you what's so guys, funny is Steph shooting. Steph form was bad, but once it starts going in, then oh, that's a great. From shot. what I know about that, was he was undersized. So when he started to get to high school and had to play against bigger guys, he couldn't shoot from his waist anymore. They had to break down his shot. It was like a, it was like a Sean Marion. Who? Steph. It was. I mean, it's a girl. It's it's you know girl form. If you look at girls shooting, you know they push it from the hip mm-hmm. because they're little, and they're not strong enough. And that's all that happened to Steph. That he wasn't strong enough when he was when he developed shooting, mm-hmm. and then he just never changed it. But who do you? is the best shooter in the league right now. We're going to go through a, f- a few different variations of their shooting ability, but um, the first one is the guy that has the purest stroke. When it comes to mechanics, best stroke is probably Kevin Durant. Um, you know, sitting at, you know, 6'11", 7 foot, you know, um, just has a smooth, you know, smooth shot. Um I mean, Clay Thompson's shot is, you know, also pretty when it, you know once he releases it. And for Clay, that's a product of work. His dad put him in, t- in, you know, as a young player, put him in with coaches that built a pure shooter. 
Yeah, I mean, um, just, you know, form, mechanics, you know, the same, you know, shot release every single time, you know, I have to give it to those two. And that's the most important thing about mechanics is to be consistent. Yeah, consistent, you know, consistency is always the key to, you know, being a great shooter or just being great at anything. Mm -hmm. Just the consistency of doing it over and over. And then it builds to confidence, which I think you've said before is the most important thing to have as a shooter. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, confidence comes from practice. You know, you're putting that work in, you're putting the practice in, you're seeing yourself shooting, you know, and making that shot over and over. Confidence is automatically built. You're not going to see a, an amazing shooter with bad confidence. It just doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. But then you see a guy, like the situation with Markel Fultz, he's just, and it's all in his head right now. You know, I, I mean, mean, if there's no, an injury there, I, no, I mean, I'm sorry, that's not that's not in his head. I mean, something something happened over the summer of between the time he got drafted and I guess preseason. Something happened between those two times. Celebrations. Something he happened. Got injured. You know, he got injured and hurt his shoulder to the point where it changed the whole mechanics of everything he does. You know. um, it's just been a disaster. Disaster, yeah. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure at some point, I wouldn't be surprised if they take legal action. Hmm. You know, against you know um, Philadelphia's medical staff. Yeah, misdiagnosis. Right? Yeah, I mean, right. just everything. I mean, because I mean it's horrible, and you had a whole summer to work on you know your shot mechanics. And to see you change your free throw shooting. To where you're double clutching at the line. Like no, no, he started off double clutching, right? And then he became it became a popcorn, like hot potato shot. <laughs> yeah. Which I understand the concept is because you're double clutching, you're trying to take the hitch out. So what you're doing is bobbling the ball all the way till it's released and then shooting from there. So it seemed like it's one full motion mm-hmm. instead of the pop, pop. You know, and you're jerking yourself. So you, you can see you have them bobbling the ball all the way up and then shooting from the top of your release because that means something from 30 to 60 degrees, something's going on, you know, in his shoulder. And yeah, it won't let him get to his pocket. It, it won't. It won't. It's not one full motion. So what, there's something mechanically messed up still. And what he's doing at the what he's doing now is a drill that he went through with the shooting coach. And then in the last it, in the last thirty days, probably yeah, yeah, you know because it just you know you start off the season doing something and then all of a sudden you come into the game doing something different. So that means they probably just try to figure out a way to take the hitch out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel sorry for him. Yeah, Kobe had a great stroke. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I mean, there's players out there who had great strokes that just couldn't hit a basket. I mean, it's. <laughs> That one's hard. Okay. I mean, it's it's a hard one because it. I just thing with Ray, it's it's pretty to watch. Poetry in motion, his shot mechanics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I personally think he he jumped too high for being a shooter, because yeah, you can see he's on the top of everything. But at the end of the day, you can see most of his career when it really counted. Sometimes he he'll go on big. Big droughts because he was a leg shooter. Means he got, you know, he jumped on he on his release, which at some point running 38 minutes a game, you're going to get tired. And it showed sometimes. It was always short. 
you know, he always hit the front of the rim or the side of the rim, you know, depending where he was because of of the long running and, you know, so his shot wasn't as consistent as people would think. But if a player is exerting that much energy on the offensive, because he had to run through down screens and just really he was a, a track star, did that take away from his defensive game, you think? I, I, I mean, I didn't know um, – I didn't know Ray was supposed to be a defensive player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't really but, think okay, he was Okay, maybe not to... him but in particular, no, but a player that you put that much on. As a as an offensive player, what I what we would do against Ray is you run him on a defense and to tire him out for offense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You know, so even if he was good at defense or not, your the point of taking Ray out was to run him around screens himself, get him tired, make him use more energy trying to defend you so he would be too tired on offensive end. And you'd see it, you know, yeah, you see, come up short. You'll see it come up short. Yeah, you'll see it come up short because, you know, he jumped the same way on every every another guy who jumped really high on his jumper, which was pretty too, was a, a kid named Courtney Alexander. Right. He came from Virginia. Two years at Virginia. Years of yeah, like when From he Bridgeport, Connecticut, actually. Yeah, he was. Uh, I remember he was a cocky player. <laughs> I seen his. I seen him like. Yeah, I mean, but his shot was very nice. But mm-hmm. he was also a very high jumper, also. You know, that just elevated on them shots. So I mean, you, obviously, you get your power from your legs and your shot to allow you to shoot from range, but you shouldn't overexert yourself. It's to depends. each own. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's to each own. It's like <laughs> depending on who your trainer was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it starts with the ability to just catch and shoot, spot up. From there, you create, right? Mm-hmm. So, who do you is, right now is the best, best catch and shoot player? Right now, mm-hmm. um, catch and shoot. I'll probably go with Clay. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when it comes to volume. I mean, you're going to have players who have better percentages than him because they're, you know, like your um Cal Corvers you, you know you're gonna have those you know specialty guys that's you know that's sitting there four or five shots a game you know but when it comes to high volume shooting catch and shoot I think Clay Thompson is the best right now so if you were to build another Clay Thompson where would you start what part of shooting basic catch and shoot I mean you're trying to build another uh-huh. Clay Thompson I mean I don't, I, but Clay Thompson is not just a pure Spot up shooter, right? So he's, he's, I mean, you know, when you're talking about spot up shooting, you're talking about, you know, your yeah, guy like Caponos a, and all that. Those yeah. are spot up shooters. Those yeah. are guys that come in and that's that's their only job. But they but, were very one dimensional. Yeah, but yeah, Clay like did Tim more. Tim Legler that. or Craig Hodges. Right? Yeah, so I'm, uh, that's what I said. So building a Clay Thompson is, you know, you're just working on, you know, just yeah. being a shooter. But as basketball has evolved, those those Tim Legler guys were were saying you got to do something else than just. Yeah, I mean, they're specialty guys. They're guys that just open up the floor for moments of the game. That's mm-hmm. it. I mean. And I think 20 like, like years you're ago. Steve, like your Steve Kerr's. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at Steve Kerr, he'll probably have the highest three-point shooting percentage in NBA history. But how many makes did he have? Mm-hmm. You know, how many times a game did he shoot? So, yeah, you got these guys who sit in there taking three or four shots a game, and they're taking the 80% shot. You know, those are the – those are going to – they're going to have the the – the best percentage, but they're not the best, you know, spot-up shooter. And now, I mean, as you build a team, you want less and less of those one-dimensional guys. they got to be able to guard their position. I think that was J.J. Redick. came into the league as a shooter, and that was yeah, about but he, he was didn't a, play defense. Yeah. So he learned how to 
the, play his the, position both sides of the ball, and he made a career for himself. I mean, I, I don't think he made a. I don't think people are putting him on the team because he can play defense. He can he just make shots. Yeah, he can. He's not a <laughs> liability. Shots. He's always a liability. <laughs> All right. You know, you're six. You're six four, 160 pounds. You're a liability. All right. Um, put him against himself on the other team. <laughs> Best catch and shoot player ever that you ever saw. Ever? I mean, ever. this ever thing is like. <laughs> Just straight, they can only catch and shoot. I yeah. mean. I no- guess Steve Nash. I mean, um, Steve Kerr. I'm, I'm <laughs> I mean, it, for him in, in his situation in Chicago, it was a perfect thing. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I said. It's hard to say ever because up. you don't. The game has evolved to the point where it's it's hard to determine what's what now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's but what if I you said. play around great athletes, that's where you do just spot up because you know they'll draw attention from the defense and kick it. Because that's what I'm saying. But when you talk about past the last 10 years, those spot-up shooters, that's all they did. Right. So when I say Clay Thompson is, I'm saying Clay is the best spot-up shooter ever to me. You know, and it ain't has nothing to do with now. Like when you take his volume of shooting and you say, all right, he's different than everybody else. He's more of a spot-up shooter. Sit him in a corner, passing the ball, he's going to hit shots. And I compare him to a Steve Kerr. And well, he's also six seven. I know, but when you put him against these guys, his volume of shooting over exceeds their mm-hmm. four or five shot. Yeah, they might hold a higher percentage because they're not shooting much of mm-hmm. it. But I, I say the best spot up shooter ever is Clay Thompson. But it's tough to come in, guy like Steve Kerr, for get four looks right. So you got. But that's 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 you what go this, one for four. You go three for four. That's that's the percent. design. Right, right. But it's just tough to come in cold like that. You might only get a kick to you four times. Though. Yeah, so it's hard to say who's minutes. the best spot up if mm-hmm. you're if you're sitting there getting the ball four times. But the importance of rhythm for a guy like Clay, where he's getting heavy minutes and he's going to get more looks, so it helps him to be consistent. More touches. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that's important to study is how they they shoot off movement, mm-hmm. how they add that to their to their arsenal. So who's a guy that you would say everyone should watch and see how he move without the ball? Moved off screens, came off curls, and created for for himself that way. I'll say I'll say Reggie Miller. Um, I, I think Reggie knew how to use his screens very well. Um, when you look at his stats, you would think Reggie averaged thirty, but <laughs> but you know the seventeen to twenty two twenty. I think you know that was his his range. But when it came to just flat out shooting. Off screens, um, he was. I, I don't. I don't see anybody who knew how to use screens better than him, because in today's game you don't have down screens and up screens and back screens and screening for shooters like you did, you know, back in the nineties. It's more based on moving where he had those those big ass Davis boys. Yeah, yeah, no. So he's trees. yeah. So he's down there on a you know, 
with a screen down and he's trying to pick his way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when, you know, you're taught push the screen or, you know, push the uh, offense to go this Mm -hmm. way. Don't let him come back out the other way. I mean, you had that, you know, that's what they taught back then, Mm -hmm. you know, because you had, you know, uh, floppies and all that where, you know, these shootings, these uh, shooting guards were, were, you know, coming off stuff like that. They call them floppies? Yeah, floppy, (laughs) like floppy sets, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, floppy sets. Um, Rip Hamilton was a, you know, Rip Hamilton was a great, you know, shooter coming off screens and screen Mm -hmm. downs. And uh, he was very hard to guard because of that. He didn't even shoot threes. Mm -hmm. You know, his his mid-range... Right in front of that three point line, he was he was phenomenal. A spot on the baseline. Yeah, I mean, he was like as I said, he he just knew how to use screens. Yeah, and, and I he think it like he nowadays his game would have adapted to would have worked more from distance. Yeah, I don't even think he would have adapted to three point shooting because he didn't need to. Just stay with an automatic mid range. Yeah, he. I mean, you set that pick decent mm-hmm. and got him open. It was cash. Mm-hmm. It was really nothing you can do about it. Yeah, that's why I think the. The, the thinking that the mid-range game is dead, it's so useful. You know, yeah, it's... Take some, you, you need well, to you remember, I mean, They're going to take something away, have something else to go to. They've been saying the mid-range has been dead since the 90s. <laughs> you know, it's always... There's it's always... Right. It's, it's, you know, it's always been dead. You know, just... You know, when athletic guys came in, they're going to the rim. Your three-point shooters are sitting on a three. And then you're going to have your special two guys who, who didn't get to the rim who didn't shoot the long ball, and boom. You know, so right now you have, you know, players like DeRozan who are great. Bucket getters. Yeah, who are, you know, great mid-range guys. So, you know, you don't – it's never dead. There's going to be always someone, you know, your – who else is great? Uh, Great mid-range. D-Wade was great. I mean, yeah, that that year he came back with the Mm mid-range, you know, bank shots, pump fakes. Uh, Jimmy Butler is great at the mid-range. So you have your mid-range guys. Really, athleticism sets up that mid-range too. Not really. It's a skill. It's just. But you look at the great mid-range players. Not all, most of them was athletic. Jordan, Kobe, D Wade, Jimmy. You just named some elite athletes. Rip Hamilton. <laughs> great cardio. That's great the cardio. other thing about those guys that come off screens, like Reggie and and Rip. You, you know, and, um, Ray Allen. Ray Allen was a great coming off the screens also because they're so thin. Yeah. and slippery, right? So, or you it's, say floppy? It's just understanding the spots. You know, right. you just got to understand. You know, but you look at they use big, where your shot is. Use their bigs, and they can weave in between them and weave around them real tight. Mm-hmm. And that's really what what matters to come off those screens. Yeah, that's what I said. You just got to be a screen reader. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's how you create shots for yourself. So if it if it is using screens or fakes, um, and and also off the dribble, I think that's so essential, and that's something that you can be a guy that can handle all day long, like a god sham god. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, if everyone knows that I'm just going to cross you up, bop bop, go to the basket, they're going to let you shoot, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's impressive to see guys like well, I'm going to let you name them, um, but I'm going to throw a guy like Kimball Walker who I think has a filthy handle and a really great stroke. And we've seen lately is such a consistent shooter and can kill you from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but who to you is a guy that, you know, if you look at how they create shots for themselves off the dribble, um, is, is just the most lethal. Yeah, you got to put Kimba, you know, in that category. Um, Steve Nash, you know, that's what he was great at. You know, you got to remember any guard who's scoring that can shoot, is in this category. So, 
you know, you you have your Steve Nash, you know, that I can argue <laughs> that he was probably the best shooter of all times. He just didn't shoot a lot, and that's the problem with Steve. Like when when people say, you know, Curry is the best. Yes, he is the best. But I can argue that when Nash put the fucking ball up, it didn't. Yeah. It, you was like, oh, okay, he made that. You know, it was one. <laughs> it was one of those. But he just didn't shoot. He wasn't trying to score thirty. If he wanted to score thirty, there was no one who was going to stop his, you know, shooting ability. So when I say that. Off the dribble, I'm going to go with, you know, Curry and Nash in that category because, you know, those guys wasn't fast. They're not fast, you know. Um, not incredibly big. You know, wasn't tall. big, was very light. But because of their their skill in dribbling and creating shots, that's what got them to the level that they are. And Nash really wasn't known as a shooter when he first came in, in with Dallas. And I think the thing for him was the fact that he never picked up his dribble, just kept the ball on the string and could go any, would probe you and probe defensive yeah. and go anywhere on the floor. See, and that's the problem that people don't pay, people never really paid attention on how great of a shooter he was because he was dribbling. Everyone looked at his pass and mm-hmm. his assists and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So you didn't really look at the, 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 the shooting aspect that when he did take a shot, he did not miss. Right. He rarely missed. Like those floaters pr- and those runners. You yeah, prayed those- when he shot it that it it, <laughs> it 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 missed. So, you know, when you look at someone like Steve Nash and Curry, like when if if Curry tried to get remember if Curry averaged eleven, thirteen assists, it takes away mm-hmm. from the shooting. He has to shoot less. That was that was Nash. So if Nash say, All right, Nash, you average five assists and you average thirty, it would be Curry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's who he will be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you have to look past what someone's averaging mm-hmm. and say, OK, Curry off the dribble, that what that's what separates him from the rest now mm-hmm. from when you say greatest of all time, you say spot up, you say he has the full package of it. You know, you can you can put them in every category because they have it all. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why people would say. Steph is the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah. He has it all. Like, if, if someone asked me, yo, who's the best? I'll say Curry. Mm-hmm. Because spot up, yes. Mm-hmm. He's top top, top three in spot up. Moving without the ball, top three. Mm-hmm. Putting the ball on the floor, top three. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and yeah, that's... absolutely. You know, that you, you have... He's going to be in top three in every category when it comes to shooting. And that's what's most impressive about him. Because you name those guys like a Steve Kerr, Tim Legler, that... More or less one-trick ponies, right? Mm-hmm. And Steph can do that and put it on the yes. floor and cook you mm-hmm. and set up his teammates. So but, that, but that's but that's what separated, you know, Steph is that he can put the ball up and create his own shot, um, and that's what that's what hinders Clay mm-hmm. that you don't dribble more than two two dribbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even though you don't need to, but you would be more deadly if you actually had the ball in your hand the whole time, also, mm-hmm. you know, and. When people say, yo, who's who's a better shooter between Clay and Curry? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know what, you know, the TV says. And if I said, all right, you guys, we're going to do 100. We're going to do 100 shots, you know, spot up. 100 shots coming off the baseline. AKA the Gilbert Arenas, Nicky uh, Young uh, Challenge. You know, uh, 100, 100 shots, you know, off pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And then we want to see your percentages and volumes. 
pick and roll, Steph is going to get him. Off the dribble, Steph is going to get him. I don't know if he gets him on coming off down screens. Yeah, I'd say that's play special. You know, see, so it's 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 hard. It's 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 really hard. You know, but also for Golden State, that's the perfect balance. Yeah, you have you have you have three guys, and what makes Golden State great is you have three guys who plays in three different realms of basketball. All shooting, and, though. And that's what people don't understand, that you just can't throw talent onto talent. They have to coexist. Mm-hmm. They have to not play in each other's realms. So if Curry has the ball, Clay, Clay can come off down screens. He can sit in the corner. KD can spot him. KD can uh, sit in the pinch post. KD can come off down screens. Mm-hmm. If, you know, uh, KD has the ball, Curry can come off down mm-hmm. screens. Curry can spot up. So all these guys have different ways of scoring. That's not always the case, you know. It's a ri- what they have historically. Yes, like, it's really like when, with, with the mellow, with the mellow Houston thing. It's like Mellow was a mid post guy, you know, who liked the ISO. That was you know CP's thing. And when people are like, well, CB could have did it, well, but that's his go to stuff. That's just like putting Shaq on a on a uh, right block, and also having Patrick Ewing. Right. Together, you'll be like, oh, my God. The twin cool. towers. The right. twin towers. But they're both got to run to the same spot. And if one gets there first, what does the other one do? Mm-hmm. Go to the left block? Just stand there. And we pass him to the left block. He don't know what the fuck right. to do on the left block. He's going to fake like he's going to go middle and turn back baseline because he can only jump, go over his left shoulder. So, yeah, it looks great on paper, but if they can't coexist, it doesn't work. Chris Webber and Allen Iverson. It looked like it was about to be great, but Chris Webber is the elbow guy. Right. That's where he makes his money, sitting at the elbow, making passes, making shots. Well, that's Allen Iverson's specialty spot, too, mm-hmm. where he wants to try to get to. So when Iverson has the ball and he's trying Chris to get Weber's to that spot, Chris yeah. Webber's right there. Yeah. You know, and people don't understand how, you know, chemistry is very important, but the realms is more important. And that's what people do not pay attention to. Well, look at with Houston. You ha- think about it. You had three isolation players. Mm-hmm. So if, who has the ball? What are the other two mm-hmm. guys going to do? They're but that's what I'm saying. If one, watch. but if one of us a great spot up shooter, it works. But neither was a great spot up mm-hmm. shooter. Um, I remember this is when when Shaq went to um, when Shaq went to Phoenix, mm-hmm. right? Everyone thought it was going to be this amazing thing. Well. His presence down low seemed like it was going to be golden. Oh, now they got a big man. Well, it messed up Steve Nash's mm-hmm. <laughs> pick and roll drop pass, and it, it messed up um, Amari rolling because yes, now Jack just, just took up space in the lane. He just took up space, and while he took up space, they needed space. Mm-hmm. So that was the the year Steve Nash went MVP, MVP. All-star, no all-star when Shaq gets there, didn't get voted in. You know, Shaq leaves, back all-star status. You know, because you're you're playing in a realm that someone else thrived in. So you basically are cutting that player off. So how did Shaq and Kobe work so well? Because Kobe was mid-range, Shaq was low post. So the Shaq and Penny, Shaq and Kobe. That, yeah, of course. That's like big, inside outside. They call inside it, right? outside. So if you know when people say, "Yo, I'm gonna," I'm, you know, the big debates. Who's the best starting five? And people hate how I do my starting five. Yeah, because, they have to play well because, together. Like I'm, I'm not gonna say, "All right, I'm gonna get Shaq," and then at the four, I'm gonna get Duncan. No, no, no. They both want the right block. Mm-hmm. Why would I put a four man that posts up on the right block? 
I'm not going to put Kevin Garnett because Kevin Garnett also, he's the elbow guy and right block. So if I have Shaq down already, I need someone lifted. So I'm going to go with Dirt. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Dirt because Dirt, even though he can play on the right block, he can lift. So that means Shaq is down there. You can't double off Shaq. You got, I got Dirk sitting at the three or the mid post or the mid, you know, those guys do not, they coexist. You know, they, they, they can play well together. So people hate when I do that. And I say that's how you got to understand what your players and players can't do. Yeah, can be effective. They got to be effective. Yeah, you can't say, oh, yeah, I'm going to get Shaq. I'm going to get, um, I'm going to get Duncan. And at the three, I'm going to get LeBron. Okay, okay, that sounds amazing. But where's LeBron going now then? Mm-hmm. Because if the if everyone's sitting in the lane, how is he going to get to the lane? <laughs> it was like that that uh, that Team USA with LeBron. They called LeBron's year. What was that? Uh, oh, four. Oh, four, four. Yeah. The the the, the non shooting team. Yeah. Yeah. The non shooting team. Yeah. They didn't have shooters. <laughs> they didn't they have shooters. These... And then you got the whole. They're sitting in the zone, and yeah. you got no one who can create. The, uh, mm-hmm. You know who can who can get a shot from the outside. Mm-hmm. Melo looked great. <laughs> Because yeah. he's only got Olympic Lucas Mello, yeah, all Olympic time great, Mello, you know. So, you know that's that's all that's all it comes down to when when it comes to shooting and the best shooters is is who you have with you, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know Kimba, you know, is playing great. And I'm it's it's great because you've seen his talent, but he was he's stuck in Charlotte, and and I, and it, I, I hate to be one of those guys that say he's stuck there. You know, like he will look better somewhere else. If you're a real basketball fan, you know he's a great player. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, and he doesn't have the name because he doesn't have the big market. He's not in a big market. He doesn't get televised. You know, but and they're a middle of the road team. Yeah. When you're 500. They're- yeah, everyone because everyone always assumes if you're not winning, you're you're not good. Oh, like he's he's. He's a luxury car. Everyone else with him, unfortunately, are Hondas. Mm-hmm. There's only so much this car can do with 12 Hondas on his team when he has to face other luxury car teams. It's just not it – doesn't, it doesn't work like that. But you look at the market of Charlotte and compared to Oklahoma City, I'm not sure where that ranks on the national scale. But, like, Oklahoma at least is – when you put – KD and Russ together because you had KD they were successful. Ru- yeah, because so you they're had on K- nationally televised games and they're in the the regular media conversation. But it, no one remembers Charlotte because they're a middle of the road team. They haven't done anything to be remembered by. You had you know those three guys who got to the the finals. Boom! Now mm-hmm. we know who they are. But if you did a poll right now and said you know top five players in the NBA. I don't know if anybody ever puts Westbrook in there. Absurd. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a guy who did something no one's done. Back-to-back, triple-double. Yeah. Like, it's how is he not top five? Because he's in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's in Oklahoma. You know, so. Well, if they win, if they're first place and. Yeah, if they're first place and they do all this. No, he should be the MVP or whatever. But he's fall back. You're forgotten. But if you're not in a big market, it it always play. If you're not in a big, the big market players are going to always be, or you're with a big market guy, even though he's a big market guy, but still, it's like your triple doubles, your triple doubles was good enough to get you top 10. That is sad. 
If he averaged a triple double in New York or Los Angeles or Boston, oh my God, he'd put you in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he would have had fucking statues everywhere. (laughs) You know, and that's that's just reality. Mm -hmm. Like, like everyone's, you know, like like let's see, Kyrie right now. Kimba and Kyrie this year. Kimba's ten steps of Kyrie. Mm -hmm. No one to vote it. (laughs) No one to vote that. But right now. Both players side by side. Kimba is on another level. Oh, yeah. Like I, my my problem with with you know a player like Kyrie, great shooter, great creator. Like he has every tool to be a dominant player. I personally don't think he's done anything so far. So far in the NBA that says you are dominant. Your skill level is dominant for sure. Your creativity, dominant. But I don't think you've done, I don't think he's done enough to say he's dominant. Like he, what year can you say, you know what, he dominated this year. Well, what do you think he has to do more of to dominate? Dominate. Like people say, well, he has a great team. Well, he, he still averages five, mm-hmm. five assists. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's, you know, sacrificing points to, to get this team and, you know, like when the little fella IT was there, same good team, he has 28. Mm-hmm. He knew to take over in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, he, he dominated. But that's what I said. He dominated. Like, right. you know, to be, to be a great player in this league, you have to dominate at mm-hmm. some point. You know, dominating is 27 to the 30s. You're, that means you are taking over. At some point, that's what I said. He takes he over games. Forty the other night. He takes right. over, and he's only averaging twenty-two. Right. You want to see him do more of that? Like that. Like when I posted, I posted, "Yo, this was, mm-hmm. dude. This is what you need. You were just like we put you in Allen Iverson. Like you had the creativity and the skill that Iverson did. Mm-hmm. But Iverson played a thousand miles an hour. He played a thousand percent every game. His goal was to try to destroy you." He was trying to score 40 every game. If if Kyrie tried to score 40 every game, no one's stopping Boston. Because you gotta remember, if he's scoring 40 every game, that means everyone around him gets easier shots because they have to focus on him. It's like we don't know Kyrie's identity. Like you said, I- Iverson was a destroyer. What what is Kyrie? Don't know. Yeah, the highlight player. You gotta remember, his best year was when he was Robin. To LeBron. Absolutely. You average 25, you average 25, 26, and six assists. 20, right. you, you average 25 and six under being Robin. So when you left, I'm thinking, whoa, he's about to yeah. lead the league in scoring. And he has good players around him. And you have, Kemba but doesn't really. You have, but you have good players, but you didn't have LeBron no. soaking <laughs> up this. You are LeBron right. now. So, so to average twenty four and five, and to to hide behind Boston's great scheme was disappointing. Like, yeah, your team was winning, but they they were they were doing that before you got there. And obviously, every time you hurt, they're winning also. So, it has nothing to do with you. You just haven't put your stamp on the game. Do you think like your has- uncle Drew's name is like your uncle Drew's name is bigger than your actual name? <laughs> 
In a sense, like I'm no, like I buy his shoes. My kids love his shoes. Like I, I mean, it's that. There's no other shoe. It's gonna be Kyrie's. Yeah, you know? yeah. Anytime if he drops fifteen Kyrie's, my son's gonna have all fifteen <laughs> of them. You know, because he like he likes his. He wears number two. You know, my son wears number two. It's it's Kyrie all day. You know, I'm just I just personally say, you know, if someone said, all right, we're gonna start a one on one tournament. Who you got your money on? Oh, Kyrie. I, I don't. I don't see anyone stopping from Kyrie. No one's stopping. No one's gonna stop him one on one. He has just too much creativity, you know. But I, this I, would, cre- I would say Giannis could could, could slow it. If, if, if you put one dribble in, two dribble in, Giannis can't. You know, he ain't gonna be able to create. Most of his jump shots have to be mid ranger three. That's he loses there. Mm-hmm. If you give everyone unlimited dribbles, starting off from the, the baseline, he, his length. Yeah, his his length is going to get him to a lot of things. When you're already moving, there's a difference. One-on-one players, that means you can create content off of nothing. Mm -hmm. If you're already dribbling the ball from half court with a full speed, yeah, Guinness looks great. LeBron looks great. These guys look great if they're already in full stride. But if you say, all right, check up at the half court, give me something. I can tell you what LeBron's going to do. Go to the left side, step back three. You know what I mean? If he can get to his right, he's going to try to get all the way. But two, three dribbles. You have to be a, you you have to be a skilled one-on-one player to be great in that position. So if they had a contest, I would say Kyrie. With that being said, he should be averaging thirty easily in the NBA, and that's that's what I'm waiting for. You think it's the system that's holding that back? No, I, I just, I just don't. I don't. He's a. I think he's just a killer. His killer instinct kicks in in the last five minutes. Yeah, that's what I would say. Maybe the thinking is set your teammates up, create for your teammates, and let and take over down but, the stretch. I mean, uh, but no matter what he does, if you take 100 shots, you're still going to have five assists. If you take 20 shots, you're going to have five assists. you take four shots, you're going to have five assists. So no matter how you play this game, you're going to average five assists no matter what you do. You know, but I think being under LeBron, his specialty was the last five minutes. He's a specialty guy. And I don't know if he doesn't know how to translate that into a full game. You know, his five, like, when it comes to the last five minutes, he's the most dangerous person on the planet with the ball. I don't know how, I don't think he knows how to translate that, that into a full game every single night. If you go under a minute, last possession. Kyrie. Shot clock. Off. Kyrie. Kyrie. <laughs> Kyrie. To take the last Kyrie. shot. Kyrie or Dame? Mm. Okay. You know, like, so when you say someone like Dame doesn't really have a high name. Playing in Portland. Playing in Portland. Back to that market. But if you look at, if you look at his, his, his stats compared to Kyrie, you're going to be like, well, dang, he, dom- he dominates. Because his skills, he knows how to, like, he just goes. He does, he's not a highlight reel. He's just going. He's going to go get his, his mindset. Bucket. Yeah, he's just going to go get his buckets yeah. and you know flat out. So if I had to take the two of them and say, put your money on the last shot with these two, I would sit there. If I had to put all my money on it between Dame and Kyrie, I had to sit and look at their style. Who's going to have more complications on getting their shot off? You know, who's going to make it easier for themselves? You know, that all plays a part, you know. <laughs> you know, I look at it like that. You know, I, I, I say, okay, Kyrie's going to give you shimmy, 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 bake. going to do some. 
creative move to a step back and fade away. His his might go in sixth. I'm going to give him 60 because he's going to have a nice creative. Well, Dame is going to give you a one, two, get a shot up. He's going to give you an 80% chance of that going in. So for Dame, it's a, he, he keeps it consistent and concise. He keeps it simple. Right. He keeps it he keeps it simple. Um and that's what that's what basketball is about ninety ninety-eight percent of the time. Simple basketball mm-hmm. is is what people forget. It is simple. It's a simple game. Creativity, the two percent of basketball is creativity. Mm-hmm. When someone cuts you off and you come with a nice move and you do something creative. That's just reaction. You know, and I think people are so infatuated with reaction moves that they think that's how you're supposed to play this game. Reaction moves. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to hit them with the combo, 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 fade, up and under fade. Like, those are <laughs> those are rarity moves. Those are not moves that, that you should be actually working on a thousand shots because you're only going to get it once. Mm-hmm. Once once a month, maybe. You know, I used to work on the Dwayne Wade pullback. Never done it once in a game. <laughs> I never. I used to work on it in the summer when it came out in the Euro. Never got to do it. I worked. Never got to do. It. I worked on floaters. Majority of my workouts never did a floater. But at least you had those in your bag. I don't even know if I. It was in my practice bag. It was in my workout bag. But my game bag, no, because if you couldn't stop me, I'm not going to stop myself by pulling up to the, you know. Like, if you tell Russ, hey, do a floater, he'll look at you like, what? What do I mean a floater? What do I need to do a floater for? If if I got two steps in front of my guy and that big man's late, I'm dunking that shit. Mm-hmm. If my guy is in front of me, I'm going to pull up for the jumper. What do I need to spin and do this little high floater for? That is like I didn't... So if you were coming into a game-winning shot, Say coming out of that timeout, did you know what you were gonna do before that? Like, were you reacting to the defense, or you were just saying, "I'm gonna get to my spot, and I'm gonna know hey, what hey, I'm hey, gonna hey, get. Listen, I was a great offensive player. I don't react to defense; they react to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They react to me. So, with that being said, um, <clears throat> it depends what the score was. Depends on like it all. Like you gotta remember, there's gonna be a timeout. And I'm going to sit there and assess how this game went. You got to remember, it's hitting game winners and making, you know, clutch shots. It's a mindset. But in that mindset, you have to process what's going on, what has been going on throughout this whole game for this one moment. So what's – have I been going left if my guy's – uh, if he's been jumping a lot, I mean, is, is you know, is he is he light footed? I mean, it, does he go for pump fakes? Does he sit down on pump fakes? You know, if is he is he a reacher? You know, those all take part of it. If it's a tie game, am I up one? Are we down two? You know, what's the foul penalty? Who's the big man down there? All those factors factors in. So you know, when I'm playing against, let's say, at Cleveland, and you know, they got small ball in, but Rajiao's down there. I know for for a fact that if I decide to drive and try to get to the basket, he will be trying to take a charge. What is my percentage 
of it being a block versus a charge. 50-50. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't fully drive. <laughs> All right? Who do I have on me if, if, he's, if he's shorter, smaller, taller? If it's LeBron on me, then I know I can get him with a simple crossover or a step back. And if I look, at, if I look he's going to jump. Like, he's going to overplay. Okay, no, I can get to the mid-range. Is it, you know, Delonte West where the Delonte West likes to sit low for crossovers? I can just pull up and shoot the jumper on. You know, the Mo Williams. Like, so those all were keys. If I know if it was um, Eric Snow that he tried to use his strength. So he's going to be playing me really tight thinking he can, you know, thinking this is, you know, 90s basketball where he can try to hand check me which doesn't work in 2000s so but you know he can change mindset so those are the things you have to pay attention to you know instead of saying oh i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot this three you know if we're down two if we're down two i'm gonna shoot a three first i'm gonna pump fake the three because i know the defensive their their coach has already drilled in the head no threes i love it when they do no threes (laughs) no threes no threes which you just did gave your 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 team a disadvantage against me personally because I know you don't he don't supposed to let me shoot the three so I'm gonna drive hard step back to the three he loses it he's gonna fly at me pump fake give me three free throws I take mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean or if I do a step back to the three knowing he's gonna overplay hesitation go go yeah. You know, so you have to you have mm-hmm. to understand, like, it's it's all part of it. It's not just a simple, I'm going to come down, and I'm about to hit this three and turn around on them. That's mm-hmm. that's not how. <laughs> that's, that's what we see. That's, that's the what end we, result. Yeah, that's what, that, that, yeah, the end result. But the end result came with a whole bunch of, like, this is a true story. The Bulls, my, my, my game winner against the Bulls, um, that play wasn't even for me. Oh, I was having a horrible game. I think I was like three for 16, four for 16, um, just playing. Larry Hughes was balling. During the timeout, I blacked out. <laughs> I blacked out. I, I don't know what the fuck the play was. I'm, fo- I'm focusing on my shot because what I realized is I messed up throughout the game and missing shots because I was taking shots that the defense was giving me, which that was their plan. And because I was so used to busting their ass during the regular season, and, you know, that, you know, I averaged 30 against them in the regular season. Playoffs, 20. 19, 17 at the best. You know, shooting horrible because they, 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 they stopped what I was, and I didn't, I didn't know how to adjust. So the, because they're seeing you over and over again, uh-huh. Whereas in the season, you might go from Chicago to Detroit to Houston. Whereas mm-hmm. in a playoff series, it's familiarity. You're seeing them. Oh, I just saw you the other night. They're gonna come. They're gonna adjust to you. Yeah. So they take something away. Yeah. They, they. You know. They took that whole season. How he he played. This is what he was good at. This is what he did. We're gonna take all this away from him. Me. I scored thirty against Shaw. I don't need to work yeah, on shit. Good. I, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. And I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I had to adjust for us to win the series. I couldn't try to score thirty. I had to let everybody else do it. So when this plate came up, I'm sitting here, you know, just dreaming. You know, the crowd is into it, the chanting, you know, coaches drawing a play, and I'm just visualizing this shot I'm going to take. I just assumed the play was for me. 
I look over at Anthony Piller and I said, just give me the ball, bro. Just give, I don't, I, 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 just, I didn't know where I was supposed to be, no nothing. I, Coach uh, Eddie, Coach Eddie yelled, yo, no, not over there, over at the top. You catch the ball. Oh, this is going to be easy then. Because yeah, I didn't look at the play. I didn't. I, but what did Peeler say? Yeah, you, I got you, I got oh. you. I got you. But the ball was supposed to come to me anyway to catch it. And then, so the, the play was. To I, go to Larry. I catch it. Larry goes off a, da- um, a double baseline screen, come off on a, uh, my right side, left side of the court, mm-hmm. hit him with a nice jumper. Soon as he takes off, yes. <laughs> he take, yeah, away. so he, the, the, the fact that he took off, emptied out, my left hand was my strong hand when I want to shoot my jumper. Mm-hmm. So I, soon as he takes off, um, Kirk Heinrich is taking me. I'm going to my left side. Take that. Boom, boom. I seen exactly where the hot spot was. Oh, this is the hot spot right here. Like it's a video game. Yeah. Got to the hot spot. was glowing at that point. Got to the hot spot. I seen Tyson Chandler get ready to jump. Took a little fade. The rest is history. Cash. Cash. Mm -hmm. But I visualize that. Mm -hmm. Visualize how I've been playing. How bad I've been playing. You know, there was no... There was no doubt. There was no, like when people said, what were you thinking about? I don't know. I thought about making what I was going to, I was making that shot the whole time on how I was going to drive right there at that moment. To this day, I don't think this would be the first time Eddie Jordan realized. I didn't know what (laughs) fucking play you, I didn't know what play you drew up, bro. I just, I I seen Larry empty out and I just took off. I'm pretty sure he was cool with it when you. Yeah, once it went in, yeah, I'm pretty sure. You know, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. I know I would have fucking got. Oh, I'd have got. Oh, killed on that one if I'd have missed. But there was no doubt. But that's your your mindset. Not every player is wired like that. But the the great players, the great clutch players, they look at those moments. They they want it. They want the pressure. They want the ball because they visualize it. Mm Like and, a Jordan or like a Kobe, like a Bird, they're cool in those moments. Because they—that's what I said. Because they've went over it. They've they they've went over it in their mind. So they've seen it. Like you remember, it was. I hope we can put this clip up. A one-point game. Walton can tip it. Bryant with the save. Oh, you gotta get a shot here. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Bang! It was Kobe Bryant playing against the Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. right? Off a tip, a jump ball. It's a jump ball. Look at his determination to get to. If we're if I'm dribbling the right elbow, the right elbow. Look at his determination. He was on the left side of the floor. He dribbled through traffic to his sweet. It was almost like a spot. breakaway. Yeah, you would. Yeah, but but think about it. He already visualized during this jump ball that I'm going to that spot. Yeah, I'm going to get this jump and I get mean, to my yeah. spot before the defense <laughs> can get there. I don't care if the defense was going to get there. His determination was at that sweet spot, right elbow. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if if you can say there was two, three people on him. His team, like like he's dribbling through traffic. He doesn't see nothing but that hot mm-hmm. spot. Mm-hmm. But that he might have had Gasol open. Yeah, yeah he could have. Yeah, he don't know because yeah. he visualized it already. He visualized what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So you can't really think of those other variables. Like if Gasol is going to be open, he might have thought that ahead of time. Like if I race down the court and I draw a triple team, 
somebody will be open underneath. Yeah, no. But he was thinking, I'm just going to get this thing. Yeah, so a, if get I to my elbow, and, they can throw five at me. And, and, and people don't understand yeah. when you lock in. That's what that's what mm-hmm. it's all about. Locking in, lock in, cut everything out. Like if you see my game winner against um, Utah with five down to four, takes a glance with three to two for the winner. The correct play was Karan right there to my left. <laughs> His man came over and came over and doubled, and boom! Nice left hand pass. I mean, it would have been suspect on him getting it off in time. He would have had to rush a shot, but he was clearly the next. He was clearly the pass to go to. If I was if I was Rondo, I'm driving into that gap, help pass. Mm-hmm. But I already visualized the whole time where that shot was going to go. I'm just going to get it to my left hand. He's a shorter. I mean, even though he was 6'4", but once I jumped, I'm jumping before him. That means he's smaller. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit that sweet spot and turn around. I already. It, it, it already I was already in the heater the whole game. Long as I, All I do is just got to get the ball up. I'm on a heater. And that's what made me turn around. I already visualized the whole thing already. But what's that like when, you, when you're on a heater, when you're in a zone, and everything's going in, and you just feel good? Every time it leaves your hands, you feel like it's good. Un, it's it's an unstoppable moment. There's nothing. It's it's like it's like getting in your car. You're late to work. Every light is green. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you know, and that's that's how that that feels. Like you think you're running late, and then just everything opens up. It's just no traffic. Everything is green. It's just a crew, and and, and that's what being on a heater is. Um, and this is where confidence kicks in. That if you ever look at someone like Steph or James Harden, have you noticed they always seem like they're on a heater? They always because they they have the ability, which players don't understand. It's it's mental. The ability to you know how coaches say you can't there's no switch to turn it off and on. No, 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 no. There is a switch. My my switch is always in the middle. <laughs> it's always in the middle of on and off. It's in the middle, and all I'm doing is just clicking it on mm-hmm. further, turning on the heat, and that's all it is. It's turning on the heat. You know, so if I'm missing shots, I'm not getting down. No, if, once you start getting down and missing shots and feel like you're having a bad game, you're turning it off. Because you're still getting your shots. You're, you're still getting, getting your shots. Yeah, you're still, yeah, you're still getting The looks are good. It, you can beat your defender, just not going in. It's just, it's just not going in. So don't turn your light off thinking you're just, I'm, I'm playing. No, you got you to gotta get yourself going. Figure out something. Mm-hmm. Trash talk to yourself. Trash talk to the opponent. Get yourself moving. Because let's be honest, when you go to Milwaukee, Minnesota, Michigan, Memphis. In the winter. Uh, play against Sacramento. Mm-hmm. You, you can you really get yourself going? No. Mentally, so you, mentally you got to turn it on. There's not a lot of stimulus. That's why I said I used to talk trash before the game. Like, oh man, you know that. My favorite line was, "Yo, hey, I'm gonna treat you like some hoes. <laughs> I'm gonna get a little ass, and then I'm gonna get out of here." You know, that was my line. <laughs> that was my line. <laughs> Do me. You know, so now the ad- that opponent is gonna get you know mm-hmm. mad, and then now we have a game. Like, you you average four points, bro. Like, I wasn't really 
really up to this game, but now that you are in it, I'm in it now. So let's go. You know, there are some guys that just need to talk because that's what that's their comfort zone. Yeah, you know, they might not back it up. You got to remember, they just need to talk. In the NBA, you have 82 games. Superstars, the superstars, like the mega, mm-hmm. they're gonna be on or playing on 76 of them. There's gonna be about six games where you're like, oh, I didn't, ooh, I didn't have it tonight. You know, you know, your 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 all stars, seventy to sixty five. But the separate the two is just the mentality that day in a certain city that just got them over the top. Yeah, they they might not have a great shooting night, but they did something. Everything you know, they did rebounding and stop defense and got to keep blocking. You know, that's what separates a. Uh, uh, all-star from a superstar. Just little key moments. Like, I just never, as an offensive player, you want to keep your confidence, always think like this. There's no such thing as great defense. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing. Don't ever fucking give the defense good credit. Fuck him. <laughs> it's either great O or bad O. You know? If you got stopped, you just had bad offense. You just fucked it up yourself. You know, it ain't no – he didn't do shit good. I don't give a fuck what his coach said. Great defense. Nah, 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 bro. That was just bad offense. And I go tell the player that. Like, you stole – you ripped me and they said good. Nah, nah, nah. That was just bad. Oh, I don't know why I tried to cross over, but that was just bad offense, bro. You didn't do shit. Fuck you. You know, and that's – like, my job is to keep my – as an offensive player, my job is to keep my, my myself going. I'm not going to let the defense ever think they got the best of me. Confidence always on 100. Yes, always. Mm-hmm. The, swaggers, the swagger stays high. Mm-hmm. You know, Because even if you don't, you can go for 60, you might have been on from the jump. Or you could have gone, you know, 3 for 12 in the first half, get 22 in the second half. Three, hey, 3 for 12, I'm going 3 for 12, 1 for 10. I tell the ref, hey, ref, hey, is this rim? Is this rim regulation? <laughs> like, can we check this? I, I think someone changed it for me. I don't, you know, like, there's a, you know. I don't think this ball is. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that, you know, can we change the ball? Does someone, you know, it, that's that's how I get my, keep my, myself confident. Ain't, they're not taking something away. I don't, I don't believe in that. <laughs> but to be real, you can't, you can't lose you, that. Yeah, you can't. Because you, you might have been off and you were getting those shots that you want, but they didn't go in. But to know when you get to the fourth quarter, I yeah, can summon you know, my powers. No, you, know, you just summons like it's it's. If you're always believing in your ability, there's no one out there that can stop you. That's that's what I respect about someone like, you know, Westbrook. That no matter what's going on around him, he has the same attitude every play, every game, every minute. But for him, it needs to be intense. He needs to be yeah, and ferocious. That's, yes, every game. you yeah. know it's it's. He's and, not a low key guy. It can he be, two, be it can be zero to two. He just dunked it. He's acting like he just won the championship. That because he's fired. Like he's getting. He's keeping his fire. Like even when Steph, Steph won MVP and all this, and you know, and like oh, you're going against, you're playing against Steph, and all, who, who's that? Who? who? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know who that is. That, that's that's a confident player. Like if you listen to Steph and say, "Oh, this guy thinks you're stopping," <laughs> yeah, right. Like you, you know, those, those are your confident players, and that's why they're always at the top. Because you can respect your opponent, you can respect the hell out of him. You're just not going to show it to him. No, you're not going to respect. You're not going to give him anything. I'm going to, I'm going to respect my opponents off the court, never between those lines. And I mean, that's a competitor. Yeah, it's between the lines. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to be disrespectful. 
But my respecting you is respecting you to the point where I want to outplay you is my respect. Like when I played against Kobe, I respected what he's done, who he was, how he trained to know that if I'm going to outplay him at any point in my career, I have to come full bar. Like everyone looks at the 60 pointer. I don't know if I ever scored less than 30 against the Lakers because, because of him, because he was on the floor. The only way someone like him is going to respect a player is if you show him. Mm-hmm. He wants to see you come at him. If you, don't come at, if you don't come at the greats, they don't respect nothing about you. You know, it's, it's, if you want LeBron to give you that dap, good play, you have to do something worthy of it. You know, that's just that's just how it is. That's the greatness code. Yeah. And it, like we started talking about shooters, you know, you are born with that some natural ability and the rest is work. Yes. You got I mean, you gotta know how to tune it out. You know, you can't get emotional, you know. Um I think that's what makes a great, you know, like a clutch shooter. If you look at the great clutch shooters of all time, which is me. Kobe, Jordan, you know, Paul Pierce, Dame, Dame, Dame Leonard. They don't pro- process high emotions. You know, they don't they don't get too high, they don't get too low. It's you know, it's Joe Cool. That, you know, so if you just look at those guys on how they played in those moments, they're all mm-hmm. in the middle of the road mentalities on the court. You gotta. You, you can't let your emotions go up and down because you gotta, you'll get overwhelmed. Yeah, in that yeah. You don't want to get too excited. <laughs> you don't want to get too excited. You don't want to get too down. You know. You just stay in them. Just stay right there. This. You got to learn how to shut everything out. And. But the funny thing about you is you're you're a jokester. Mm-hmm. But eighty for eighty two games, forty eight minutes in the game. Well, your mentality changed. That's a different yeah. gill. That's a different. Yeah. Once the ball, once the like, I tell the jokes all before the game and all that. Once that ball tips, oh no, hmm. oh no, huh? I'm, I'm a tiger. Yeah, American. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah basically, yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to cut your cut your neck off. Mm-hmm. There's no if ands but about it. You know, um, because you know every player's different. You know, it's you know like playing against Steph. And people say, well, you couldn't, you know, if you played today, you couldn't even guard Steph. You're probably right. No one can. But my job as an offensive player, if I want to neutralize Steph, I got to get him, I got to get him out of the game. So I have to try to get fouls and get him uncomfortable on playing defense. You know, I'm not going to let him hide. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and try to force feed, you know, plays, but I'm going to try to, you know, if I got a flop, you know, Mm -hmm. pick and roll, I'm going to try to get two, three fouls on him. So now he's less aggressive, you know, with, with somebody like Westbrook. Hey, uh, we need to get this kid out of the game. He's going to beat me a couple of times. Don't try to block a shot. Take the charge. Let's, Let's see if we can get a few charges on him and that'll stop him from wanting to be so aggressive driving through that lane. If he can get one or two because that's how you stop me from being aggressive is if, you know, if I drove in there against, you know, and, and, and got two offensive fouls, it's like, oh, shit. You know, nah, okay, I got I to gotta ease up on this driving thing. You know, and that's, 
you know, how that... Right, you knew, like, oh, how would I stop me? Yeah. And then do that. But how did a ref respond to that? Like, they know that you're not that elite defender that would be able to shut down another elite offensive player. So they know he's, he's looking to draw fouls, he's looking to take charges, he's looking to flop. You know, refs, you get, this is what players don't understand. Refs are humans. Right? <laughs> refs are humans. They're going to make mistakes. Um, they're going to be biased. They're human. They're going to be biased. They're going to have their favorites. They're going to have their, the ones they hate. You know, so you just got to understand who you are to them. Mm-hmm. So I made an effort to know their names. Mm-hmm. So before the game, you know, I had a sweet old lady. No, she wasn't old, but I had a sweet lady <laughs> who would write down all the referees' names, tell me which ones are which, you know, if I didn't know who's new, who's, you know, and I'll go over at some point before the game started, hey, Bill, how you doing? You know, uh, happy Thanksgiving, you know, you know, whatever's coming up, you know, Merry Christmas. Oh, welcome to the NBA, Rook. <laughs> yeah, your name is Rook right now. I'll call you by Stanley next year. You know, you know, and then, you know, they'll laugh, you know, like, because the worst thing to do to a rep is say, hey, ref, what the fuck going on? Yeah. Right? Because, got to remember, they know your name. They know who you are. So respect them by knowing their name. It makes it easier for it, for you. Trust me. You know, if you know, if I if I have a problem with one of them and say, "Yo, hey, hey, Peter, you fucking fucked up. Fuck you," he doesn't take it personal. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna sit there and hit you with the tech. One, you called him by his name, so he know you knew you. Um, he knows you took the time to learn his name and to use his name, so he's less likely to throw that team instead of saying, "Hey, ref, man, fuck." You know, it's you know, it's one of those. So I did the little things. You humanized it. Yeah. You made him a person. Yeah, I made him yeah. because got to remember, everyone's going to say, like even with, you know, with Violet. I'm not going to say, hey, bitch, you know, you know, I'm not going to, hey, Violet, hey, come on. Motherfuckers, he's dry humping me down here. I'm going to do something. <laughs> come on, get him off me, V. You know, I hit him with the nigga. Come on, get him, get him off me, V. I got you. I got you. I got you. You know, it's, and, and that's the, the relationship that, you know, players don't understand you need to have, you know, because they dictate. Sorry, they dictate majority of the game. But I think that is a level of star status where you know that, okay, not just working, I worry about myself, my teammates have to work my opponent, I have to work the refs. You got to work the refs. Yeah, and not every player gets that. Like you said, they don't, they call them ref. They look for calls. Because at the end of the day, your your greatness is controlled by them also. You know, going to the lane, getting that foul. I got to remember... You can either look like James Harden MVP year, or you can look like James Harden in the finals against LeBron when he was at OKC. Stupid. When he's trying to give all these floppy calls, and they wouldn't give it to him, they just looking at him. He looked stupid out there. It's the same James, but because he didn't have the ref's respect and they don't blow that whistle, all that stuff just looks stupid. <laughs> you know, so they can either make you look stupid or they can make you look great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's your call. Like I remember, I remember um, Frazier, Walt Frazier, who said he's never got a technical in a game, which seems like, eh, that's easy. No, no, that's not. That's that was called discipline to know and understand that. Once a ref blows their whistle, they're never going to change their mind. There's, I mean, you might have one in a season where you yell at a ref and then they check with another ref and then it's like, okay, my bad, out of bounds on you. 
Other than that, they don't. They, I've never seen one ref say foul on Gilbert. Never mind, no foul. <laughs> take the ball. That's take that back. <laughs> take that. Take that foul back. Let's, no, that's not how this works. You know. So the fact that he never got upset to the point where he needed to defend something is respectable. Always kept his head. Always, always kept, kept always cool. stayed mentally in the game, no matter how bad the game was going for him or going to get. I mean, you know, Conley never got a tech. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, right? That take, you're taking yourself out of the game. Yeah. If you, but it's, if it's if so hard. It's so hard when you're so competitive yeah. and you know it's but you know, I've played I played with Conley and I can see he doesn't go, he doesn't get frustrated. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. You can be beating him up and yeah. <laughs> He's gonna go about his business, and I mean that's that's but that's a game within the game. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna let you see you getting me frustrated. I'm not gonna let the ref see me get frustrated. So if I do decide to ever talk to a ref, they know I'm coming from a good place. I've never I've never disrespected you. I never made you look stupid in front of the crowd and throw my hands up and stuff like this. I played the game. So if he says something like "Yo, Gilbert, Gilbert is holding me. Can you watch out for it?" They will watch out for it. Because he's he has the respect of them. Game within the game. But it all comes back to confidence. Start with your confidence. Build off that. Yes, always. Confident in your abilities. Confident in your ability. All right. Until next time. There's we're always out. next time. There's always next time. <laughs> That's the other thing. Had a bad night? There's always a next always game. Always next time. She a talk to me, and me a talk to she. On the day it's coming that we must be personally. She a talk to me, and me a talk to she. On the day it's coming that we must be personally. She a talk to me, and me a talk to she. On the day it's coming that we must be personally. She a talk to me, and me a talk to she. On the day it's coming that we must.